This week on the Habs Forum, the Montreal Canadiens lose in the Stanley Cup final in five games. Uh, it's, it's sad. It's disappointing. But hey, it was still an amazing run, so there's good things to talk about. And now we've got an offseason to talk about. So that, the offseason is always fun. I mean, usually last year is what we've been looking for. It's a bit of a different feeling after getting so close, yet kind of seemingly so far. But the, a lot to talk about. Coaching changes in both uh, Laval and, uh, well, not a change in Montreal, but, you know, Duchamp gets officially re-signed. No surprise uh, there. We're going to talk about the expansion draft, who we who we think we should uh, protect, who we think maybe uh, Seattle is going to uh, take. And there was a lot of information coming through through the end of season press conferences and things like that. Getting getting a vibe of which players seem like they want to come back and which ones maybe are done in Montreal. But first, Dustin, tell me who our sponsor is. The Habs Forum is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Check out the new Lawnmower 4.0 and the rest of the All-Star lineup at Manscaped.com. And use promo code HabsForum for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping, guys. Exciting stuff. All right, sounds good. So let's get into it. Obviously, it's uh it's bittersweet. I mean, we only have really one game to talk about since we recorded after uh, the the win in game four. So Canadians lose one nothing, only lose by one goal, but still felt like they never really had a chance to win that game. Almost, I mean, Tampa Bay really shut them down. I mean, it's it, it wasn't the most exciting game uh, uh, to watch, that's for sure. No, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think they they used up all their energy winning in game four. Um, you know, and then in game five, obviously, game, yeah, I mean, the, the one nothing loss, I mean, like you said, I mean, it never really seemed like they were in it um, in, in game five. And then, you know, the last guy you'd expect to score, quite frankly, a guy I've never even heard of. I forget yeah. what his name Ross Colton or something. Yeah. Assisted by a Quebecer and a former Montreal Canadiens, a first round pick. Of course. I mean, how else would it be? Of course. I mean, yeah, it's 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 a tough way to go out for sure. But, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, you got you got to look at the positives of it. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the kids got a lot of experience here. But, you know, even if you weren't expecting the and obvious, I mean, I don't think anyone was expecting the Habs to get this far. Man, it still hurts, though. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's like there's almost like an emptiness in my like heart. Like it almost feels like the way I described it, it almost feels like like when you get like, like go through a breakup, you know, it, like th- there's like something that was so part of my life for pr- pretty much two months uh, and just like everything, like it, like everything, I all the media I consumed, everything, everything we talked about. It, it was all about the Canadians. Every other day we were stressed out about a game. And then it just ends, and like it just—it's just such a lot. Like waking all the way to the final. That's what I was saying. It's like I felt exhausted emotionally and physically just from being, you know, going out too much and all that. And my wallet <laughs> was pretty tired. Like I can only imagine how exhausted the players must be. So many of them playing through injury. It's—it's it, it, tougher than you would think. Like like compared to if they lost in five or six games to, to Vegas, then it would have been like, just like, well, they took great strides. Like what a run by the Canadians. We'll, we'll be back better next year, but it's harder making it to the final than losing, you know? Exactly. I mean, this is the furthest we've got 
you know, I mean, since, I mean, obviously the one that kept in 93 were both, uh, you know, six years old. Yeah. So obviously we don't really remember that too much, but I mean, this is obviously the, the furthest they've made it, the closest we've ever yeah. been to a Stanley cup. And yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it just like sort of gets ripped off like a bandaid the way that it happened. And, and like, like, I feel like it, it just felt like a dream for like the longest time where it like, yeah, you know, it didn't feel like reality, but like it start like right when I think when they won game four, it was like, OK, well, this this could actually happen, even if we were down three one at that point. But and then for them to lose like that. And and like you said, I mean, like I can't imagine how it feels like for the players, you know, for us to be this exhausted. And it's just like we've made it this far to get nothing. I mean, not nothing, obviously, but, you know, we've made it. Th- we've spent all this time, all this you know, all this stress for us not to win the cup. And now in what, two months, two and a half months, uh, we got to start this thing all over again. So I can't even imagine how the players are, are, are thinking right now. No, for sure. And I definitely don't think it, it, it's nothing. I think it's one of those things that it's hard to appreciate in the moment, but in hindsight, you know, you, you, you look on it uh, very, very, very fondly. Like, I don't think we're ever going to forget where we were for the Lekin and goal, I mean, uh, where we were for so many big moments uh, in in uh, in, the, in this half series. I mean, the Canadians are never gonna win a Stanley, uh, not win a Stanley, uh, make the finals or win a series, right? Win 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 one game on Saint Jean probably ever again. Like hopefully, because that means there would be another reason for the schedule to be uh, all all out of whack. So, I mean, th- th- that's gonna stay with us forever. It's just it's just hard to appreciate those moments as much. Uh, right after the loss, but slowly but surely, I think I think it's it's coming back. I think we'll learn over the years to really, really, really appreciate um, appreciate this uh, this run. And the the thing too about the 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 winning game four and then and then like being down three nothing and then like it's not like we outplayed them, we dominated them in game four to them then win. And it's like I I, I think about so the, the the big news in the in, in the post game conferences was obviously Kucherov, his conference and rubbed a lot of fans the the long way. Like we can go more into into detail with how we feel about that specifically, but a response I saw to it, it that that I think put it perfectly into words because he criticized fans for celebrating too hard after Game Four, but it's because this Montreal Canadiens team just made us believe, and we had seen this team go through so much. That when they won in overtime in Game Four, even though the odds were still very much extremely stacked against against them, I think a lot of us legitimately believed in that moment that they were going to do it. it j- they just felt like that team that were going to go through every possible obstacle and actually make it happen. Like I- I'm so glad, like we talked about it in the last podcast, but I'm so glad we 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 went to one of the outdoor viewings for game four and we got to experience that that win in the final and that that's another one of the memories i i don't think i'm gonna forget anytime anytime soon and and like like we were down three one at that point and i i believed i really believed they could do it but in the end the tampa bay lightning and i don't even care that they were eight million under the cap it's just like it is what it is i mean if bergeron did the same thing we'd be praising him for being a genius they just they just top to bottom had a such a good team by far the best team we went up against in, in the whole playoffs oh absolutely i mean they, they were definitely the best team in the nhl this season uh, you know by by a, a decent margin i would say 
Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, like you said, I mean, like after what we saw in the first round, we've talked about this a hundred times already, but after we saw, after they did what they did against the Toronto Maple Leafs coming back that way and then, and, and, you know, beating Winnipeg in four and, and dealing with all the COVID stuff they had to deal with. And, yeah. and even against in the Vegas series, Duchamp getting COVID, yeah. you know, when they won that game, it was like, yeah, I mean, th- these guys can definitely do it. I would never bet against this team. And, you know, and, and I mean, the way that they, that they won a two in game four with Shea yeah. Weber getting a four minute penalty with yeah. one minute left in the third. I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like the, the term's kind of overused, but like the, the, the storybook and Disney sort of, yeah, absolutely. Sort of season. And I mean, that's really exactly what it was this season. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't get capped off the way we would, we would have liked to have, but Again, I mean, like you said, I mean, so many amazing memories from this from this run. And and, you know, I mean, certainly for us, you know, things we're never going to forget. But, you know, also things that the kids on this team are never, never going to forget and that they'll be able to build on for the future. And uh, absolutely not. And and the thing is, too, like I've seen a lot of articles and people talking about how and, and it's true. If you look into it, first of all. Teams in general making the final, very often it happens the year after they, they they miss the playoffs, and more specifically, teams that go on a run uh, that go on like Cinder, what is considered a Cinder, Cinderella run, will tend to kind of fall off after that that run. And this year, it's it's that that much worse because the the, the finals went so deep into into the summer because of the schedule and the, the regular season. They're going to try and start it at the same time as usual, so that that Stanley Cup Finals hangover is going to be bigger than. Uh, than than ever, but I think the big difference with this Canadians team, it's it's really a team that made it this far through its kids, and no matter what, that's huge experience. The thing is, it's experience that that Caulfield got, that Suzuki got, that even Kutkinyemi got, even though he he didn't play towards the end, he still scored some big goals, and even Romanov, who still was there for the whole run and got to play at the end, scored that big goal uh, in uh, in game was it game four that he, that he scored yeah. Romanov, and yeah. and just like that experience is it's huge not just for next year but it's huge for, for just moving forward and the next time this team these guys are in the in the in the playoffs these are guys that are going to know what it takes to win what it takes to make it far and it's going to be huge for every single one of their of, of their careers like i'm 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 convinced of it. i'm, I'm I, re- I really am it's just what made it really hard is see, like you, i didn't feel bad for those those kids right i like i, I felt bad for them in a sense it still sucks to to lose but it's seeing the reactions of guys like Shea Weber on the bench who is fighting back tears, Gallagher, just the, the look of like heartbreak on his face. And, and then the slightly like Anderson's new from this year. I mean, but he gives it his all and you can see he was heartbroken, not quite as old as as the other guys. And of course, Price Price just um, going talking to every single player on the bench, being really the leader he is. And he just. Taking it all with with, with 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 so much class, I mean, that's what was really, really, really heartbreaking. Because those guys, you don't, you really don't know if they're ever going to get that chance ever again. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, with some some of the young kids, I mean, they, obviously they had a great run, and and not only just getting that experience, you know, like uh, of going through a run like this, but they were huge contributors. Yeah. I mean, especially a guy like Suzuki. I mean, he you could probably argue he was the best guy in the playoffs. I mean, Cole Caulfield, the strides that he that he's taken, not even being a rookie, you know, he's probably yeah. going to be the favorite next year for the, for the Calder trophy. Yeah. And, you know, even to a le- maybe a little bit of a lesser extent, Kukinami and Romanov, but I mean, you know, the, the experience and, and just the way that they stepped up is huge. 
and yeah, obviously it's, it's sad to see some of those veteran guys, but you know, I mean, it, again, it's building for the future and, and building that culture. And I mean, you know, first of all, like some of the guys that we have, well, I mean, most notably Philip Dano, I think, you know, maybe this is something that, you know, he's, he's talked about in the past about not taking a hometown discount. Not that I think he's going to take one, but you know, he might be more inclined now to sign with the Canadians, maybe for a little bit less. I mean, I, I, I wanted to touch on that a bit later in the podcast, but I mean, it's a perfect opportunity. I, I 100% believe what, what you just said. And his his comments in, in his kind of post-season press conference that happened uh, a few days after after the loss, because he was one of the unlucky people that – I can't believe they make some of these guys talk to the media right after they lose. But anyways, but Dano was a few days later, and the way he was talking about he, – he was honest about it. Like he, he, he admitted, first of all, that the rumors around the contract, it, it, it kind of got confirmation – uh, around around there, and he specifically said, and I'm paraphrasing from John Lou's tweet because I appreciate sure he said this in French, but he says, "I was scared uh, Suzuki and Kudkinami would take more minutes, but if you see around the league, you need two-way centers. I found my game. I know what I am, and I know what I can give. So, so this to me is exactly what I wanted Dano to kind of understand. I think th- th- a run like this just gives it like." Like I can't think of the English expression, but in French, I've done that piqueur. Like you really want to win, you want this experience again, and I really think that a guy like Dano realized, okay, maybe I used to be more of an offensive role guy when I was younger and all that, but now I saw how important my defensive role was to the run of this team. How in a market like Montreal, that he even though he didn't score like at barely at all. Big, even barely got any assists. He was he wasn't getting any hate or anything like that because our fan base recognized how important he was to this run. And he kind of these comments making me think like okay, he maybe wants to embrace that role and come back on the Canadians, even though he has those two kids potentially ahead of him in uh in the future. And I mean, you don't know what's gonna happen yet. But after his press conference and like there, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about Denwood coming back at at a reasonable price. We're still gonna have to pay him, and that's fine. Like you don't want him to be at the same time. Like you don't want him to take too much of a discount and be kind of bitter about it. You know, like so I, th- I think we'll, we'll get him on a fair deal, and he'll stick in Montreal. And then if you have that t- the, those three centers down the middle for 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 the foreseeable future, like I, I like I like that for this team. Like the the best three centers we've had top to bottom for a very long time. We've talked about it before, but if they hold on to Denon, I think they will. I think that's huge. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it, yeah, if hopefully, hopefully that does happen. I mean, and and I think, you know, Dano, I mean, obviously seems to want to come back to the Canadians, especially after that run. I, I, I mean, I can't see the organization wanting to move move on from him, especially. I mean, you know, like it or not, the fact is that who knows what what's going to happen with the way, but if the way is not there, Dano is the only French Canadian player left on. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, you know, again, wh- whether you like that or not, it's, it's obviously something that's going to play. Oh, it's into there. Things. It's, it's real. Like it, it's a thing, you know, so for sure it's going to play. And, and a big thing for him too, that's something they can use to pitch to him as the only, like we've seen, let's say Dwayne does leave. Like we don't know what's going on exactly with the but let's say he does leave. Dwayne, despite not necessarily having the craziest career so far in Montreal, has gotten a ton of sponsorship deals because he was kind of the French-Canadian star on this team. That would could easily flip to Deno, and he already joked about how he got pizza deals because of his whole p- press conference pizza things and all that. And that's not worth nothing because there's – like as much as I love Philip Deno, there is nowhere else in the NHL 
of the 31 other organizations, there's not a single other place where he will get sponsorship deals like he can get in Montreal. And yeah, that, that, that means something because people talk about the taxes and all that and how that can take away money versus if you go to a place like Tampa Bay, who we just lost to. This, these types of sponsorship deals for these French Canadians, I mean, they, they can't get them anywhere else. So maybe that's something that will help them stick around. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that's definitely a good point, too. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the way, man, he had, uh, like, especially when he first got here, and even even over the last couple of years, he had sponsorships with McDonald's yeah. and Tim Hortons and, and a bunch of other places. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely could play into it. And, I mean, let's not forget, with the cap not really going up, it's it's sort of, you know, it's it's kind of like last season where it might be tough for some of these free agents to get the money that they think they deserve. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, uh, maybe he's not going to get as much as he thought with the Canadians, but it's, you know, I don't think there's any teams that are going to be lining up to give him six, seven million dollars either. So. No, absolutely. Like, teams can do that. And, we, and we, we, we've been seeing it with the moves that are happening. There, there's there's good players that are being talked about being exposed in the draft because of their salaries or, or today there was the news of both Ryan Suter and Zach Parise being bought bought out by uh by Minnesota, like the reality of the cap is making these teams make these really really difficult decisions. And we saw it last year in free agency where Taylor Hall had to sign a one year deal instead of he was the, the he was the guy that usually gets one of those stupid like eight years two ten million dollar deals that a team regrets after two years. But he didn't he didn't get that because of, so I think it plays in our favor. And I, but I think we're still I think we're gonna be able to get to, to lock him in for like kind of like a five times five kind of deal, uh, like easily go to five point five if if need me. And I, and I think that's a good deal for Dan. I, I really do, and I think he 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 is worth it. And if we can get less than that, and all day, all day, I'll take it. Like absolutely. Yeah, no, I definitely think a five times five would uh, would make a lot of sense. I think it makes sense for both sides. Um, you know, I, I don't know if he's gonna get five and a half. I mean, maybe you know, I I think I could do six years at five million. Yeah. Um, any anything more than that, I think it's 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 definitely overkill, and and I definitely don't think he's going to get more than that. I mean, he's he's obviously great. He's one of the best shutdown defense shut not defenseman obviously shutdown center yeah. uh, in the NHL. But you know, at the end of the day, he doesn't he doesn't really produce that much offense. No, for, for sure. But he can also, you know, like if like I think he can produce more than we saw in in in, in the playoffs because in the playoffs he was specifically put in a purely shutdown role, right? So. We, he has been able to produce, produce uh, in the past, but like you said, he's one of the best shutdown centermen in the NHL, and we, and we saw how how valuable that was uh, in, in the playoffs here. But at the same time, you can't overpay for that, you know. So, but I, I really think they get it. I really, I, I, I would be surprised if they don't, if they don't get it done with with the comments that we heard, with 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 the run he had in in the playoffs, and, and what's even like to go back to it. The fact that he seems to be embracing that role, because I wouldn't, wasn't interested in signing him even for the same amount when he was talking about how he still sees himself as a top line center, doesn't want to lose minutes. Because that that to me is like, okay, clearly you're not getting where we're going with this team and you're not understanding where you fit on this team. And that can just create some kind of like drama in the dressing room and all that, like I was much less interested in him when he was talking like that. But after his comments, after this playoff run, where he really, really, really seems to embrace the type of role he can have in the NHL, have a long NHL career, then he's exactly the type of guy I want in the locker room, 100%. Yeah, exactly. Because when he was talking like that, at the, you know, basically at the beginning of the season, I kind of got the sense that you know he he was one of those guys. He wanted, he didn't care where he was going to play. 
didn't yeah. necessarily care that much about the money either, but he just wanted as much t- as as much time as ice time as possible. So yeah. you know, I, I'm going to go to Arizona. I'm going to be the top. You know, I'm going to be the number one center. I'm going to be playing 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Don't care how much I'm getting. Don't care if we're going to miss the playoffs every year. But I mean, I think you know, maybe hopefully this playoff run showed him that you know this is wh- potentially winning a cup, especially in Montreal, is a lot of fun. No, exactly, exactly. So th- this is where making it to the finals and still losing, it's still worth something. It's not useless. It's more than just the memories. It's it's it's, it's good for the growth of the team. And I mean, not not just for the kids that we already have there, not just for guys like Dano, but I mean, maybe potential free agents as well. Absolutely, Who knows? absolutely. And we already we know for a fact that Tyler Toffoli signed in Montreal partially because he liked what he saw from specifically Nick Suzuki when he was watching the bubble last year. So if the run last year enticed some free agents to sign in Montreal, you can only imagine what the run this year with will mean. And then when you have a guy like Corey Perry, who I know he can be hated amongst fans in the NHL, but it is undoubtedly extremely respected amongst his peers is right away saying like he didn't, hide it he didn't he was very clear i want to come back to montreal i he's basically saying i want to have a real season in montreal i want to experience the fans like having a guy like that say things like that it's got to mean something it's got to resonate to a certain level that you hope means that we can have more guys join the team and in in, in free agency if, if there are some guys that we can want to get because we know we have had difficulties getting free agents however i do think in a way we've been We've been kind of a little lucky with that because, for example, just before starting the the podcast today, and I've talked about this, how I've liked Bergevin overall, but he's been very lucky with the deals he hasn't been able to make. Apparently, Nashville are strongly considering exposing uh, Matt Duchesne, who Montreal desperately tried to sign, and now they're all of a sudden they're like, well, we can't pay you anymore for what you're producing. So you got to be careful about building through free agency, but then if you can go get guys like like a Toffoli in free agency, which on, on a more reasonable contract, and then they want to come here because of all this stuff, and then that's huge. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. I mean, you know, if Tyler, if a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sure he had a, a list of suitors last off season. If he yeah. saw Nick Suzuki, bef- you know, just in the bubble and was excited to play with him, I mean, I can't imagine what free agents, you know, are seeing Nick Suzuki. I mean, with the strides that he took this season, and, and not to mention Cole Caulfield, and, and and again, I mean, to a lesser extent, Kukiniemi. You know, he's he took some strides this season. You know, wasn't wasn't all positives, but. You know, I mean, this this is an exciting team, and I mean, you you see those that veteran presence too. I mean, Weber, you know, Price obviously is still uh, still has a couple of good years in front of him, playing with a guy like Corey Perry too. I mean, you know, yeah. this is an exciting team and definitely on the upswing. So, I mean, why wouldn't a free agent want to come sign with the Canadians and play in front of the, you know a, a crazy Montreal? Fan base. Oh, absolutely. Especially after the year we had in COVID, you got to think a lot of these guys want to go play for these for these fan bases. And honestly, the ones that don't want to, then I don't want you to come here then because then you'd be the type of guy that can't maybe perform in front of that kind of pressure, right? Because it, it just means it attracts the, the right kind of guys. And, I th- and guys like Toffoli, I think we've seen guys like that that thrive with that kind of pressure. Those are the types of guys we need to add in in Montreal. But to get to get back to Kutkiemi, something that I thought was very interesting. So on the day, I would, like I was talking about the day, Daniel made the comments and all that that they had all the the players, not all the players, but a lot of the players were doing press conferences. Uh, Bergevin and and, and Deschamps did press conferences too, kind of end end of season stuff. The the I was watching the the live stream on Twitch that the Canadians were doing, hosted by 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 Max Dumont. Uh It was great, but something I noticed that that was I thought was very interesting is that. They announced Kutkiniemi was the next one to talk. 
But basically, a lot of these players, before they'd go to talk to the media, they'd go into like kind of their end of season, like exit interview is, is, is what they call it with the coach and the GM and all that, where they kind of go over what they expect from them going into the next year and like what they need to work on and what kind of player they want them to be. And like we, we don't know exactly what's talked about, but we can kind of like have an idea. Well, Cut Kanyemi, but it sounds like from what I've seen from uh, from tweets, from insiders, to people that were waiting for him to show, it sounds like his exit interview lasted a very, very, very long time. And it kind of delayed the whole process of him then being available to talk to the media and all that. So I do find that very interesting because clearly there's something that this group, that the coaching staff, and that they're still not seeing they want from him. But this type of like long form exit interview tells me they still want to work with him. They want to get him to that point. And like I know it's a dead horse. It's like beating a dead horse at this point. But like he's 21. Like there, there's time for him to grow into that player. And I just thought that was interesting. So I'm excited to see how he comes into the next training camp. Oh, 100%. I mean, you'd, you'd be crazy not to work with him. He was the th- third overall pick, what, three years ago. He turned, tw- like you said, he turned 21 uh, a week ago. I mean, obviously this kid, you know, he's, he, we we knew when he was going to, when he was drafted that he was going to be raw, you know, that he was a raw player, that it was going to take a while for him to develop into, you know, to, to, to potentially hit his ceiling. And I mean, we've seen a lot of flashes from him I mean, just in these playoffs. I mean, he's, he yeah. had what five, five or six goals in the playoffs. So, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's obviously he's had, you know, some downswings too. It hasn't all, hasn't always been positive with him. He's, he's had his struggles for sure. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you take a look at any big center, you know, that was thrown into the NHL at 18 years old, it, it, the, any, any player is going to have their struggles, especially when you're a young, mm-hmm. when you're a younger guy and you're that well you're that tall but you're lanky you know you have to sort of grow into your body where a guy like that he's you know he's he basically played his whole life against players that were smaller than him when you know they yeah. were of the same age group now he has you know he has to has to adjust to playing against guys that are bigger than him guys that are that are probably faster than him you know he's, he has a lot of things to work on but man, and it's not like the canadians have made it easy for him either and i was happy that one of the reporters touched on this i believe it was eric engels that because this is something that gets talked a lot on Twitter, but it's not the type of thing that's always kind of brought up by the media. But how he basically played with every possible line combination this year, and like for a kid like him, especially a center, like you want to be able to develop chemistry. And he did admit that it was hard at times to develop that chemistry because he kind of had a constant rotation of of guys playing on his wing and all that. And it's like, we haven't found the right guy to play with him yet. Like it, it, it hasn't been the, the, the easiest for him, but yet he never really seems to complain. He always, he always seems ready to work. I mean, we saw it like we talked about in the last podcast when, uh, uh, sorry, my girlfriend's alarm is ringing there. So when, when the, uh, the, the Romanov got into the lineup, but uh, Kotkaniemi got got scratched. But then he was excited for his friend Romanov to go into the lineup. So, you, so you could tell he was showing like he he didn't seem like a a, a grumpy kind of like you know ab- about the whole situation, right? So so I, I really think, but part of me does get nervous at times that if there is a trade that happens with this team, that Kotkaniemi might be a piece just from the way that they've used him over the years. I do have a, and we've seen them move, give up on guys maybe too quickly in Montreal, right? So I do have that concern sometimes, and I hope it doesn't happen with him because I want to see him grow in Montreal because I really see a lot of potential there. 
No, absolutely. You know, I mean, the sky's the limit, I think, for this kid. I mean, like, you know, for as good as Suzuki is, I mean, Suzuki's, you know, a year, even a year and a half older than, than Kekinami. I mean, we've seen Suzuki, you know, be a great player, obviously. And I think Kekinami, if, if he hits the ceiling, could be just as good as Suzuki. So, I mean, it, it I think it would be a huge mistake to give up on him. I don't think the Canadians are going to give up on him. I think hopefully they 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 know his value. Uh, and I mean, just, you know, especially if you can keep Dano, I mean, having those three guys down the center for the next, you know, five, five years, maybe. I mean, that's going to be huge. And having Cookie Nami and Suzuki down the middle for the next, who knows, the next decade, at least. I mean, I think that would be huge. I mean, the Canadians, you know, man, I mean, obviously for the last 20, 30 years, they've been sorely lacking any centers whatsoever, yeah. really. And now they could potentially have two you know, maybe stars down the road. I mean, they, they just can't throw that away. And hopefully they're they're not going to make the same mistake that they've made in the past. Now, the, the one thing that I'm a little worried about now is that Kakimi is an RFA. And I really hope we don't end up with a situation where the contract talks become a little bit... Like, I hope they get it done quickly, is what, is what I'm trying to say, basically. Because so much of the fan base, first of all, is... is and, and this, I do think, is kind of... If you watch the games in French... The French media specifically, for some reason, I don't know why, they really jump on every opportunity to criticize them, I find. Like, much more so than the English. I don't know what it is exactly. But And then that, when that happens, we see it. The, the French media always seems to pick their scapegoat. And then a lot of the fan base that kind of only consume that media tend to kind of jump on board and then follow suit. And then I feel like Kanemi is that guy right now where it's very hot and cold with him. And if there's any sort of kind of delay with the contract getting signed as an RFA, because we've seen it happen a lot with RFAs, then I'm, I'm I'm worried about the kind of like the toxic fan base discourse that starts with that. So I just I just really hope they get it done quickly, so it's it's not in any way affecting his like development in the offseason and all that. No, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like you said, for whatever reason, the the especially the French media seem to be on them all the time, and, and yeah, I mean, they they always seem to have their players that yeah, they don't always. like for some reason. Uh, I don't understand it, but yeah, I mean, Kikinami, you know, I mean, you want to, you we, I think we were all hoping to see more from him this season after he had a great year in the bubble. Mm-hmm. But again, man, this is only his third NHL season, two of which have been, you know, sort of messed up because of the COVID. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's got things that he has to work on. And I think, you know, that's probably why that exit interview is so long. You know, he's got to put on some size. He's got to work on his skating for sure. But man, like I, I really think in like two, three years, he's going to be a solid, solid top six player. And ha- having him and Suzuki down the middle is going to be amazing for the Canadians. And they're going to be, you know, I, th- I think in a few more years, I definitely see the Canadians back in the finals. You know, once some of these guys get a little bit more experience in that. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man. hopefully uh, it'll make it absolutely. Uh, absolutely, and and like it's just we we we've we've seen how difficult it can be over the years building through the middle. It, it, it was such a shame to finally have the building blocks here to get rid of any of them because having three guys you can trust down the middle is is is, is absolutely absolutely giant. Um, and I, I know we've now we kind of moved past the, the 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 game there a little bit, but I didn't want to. I do want to talk a little bit about Kucherov and how. He talked in his kind of post-game conference. First of all, he shows up shirtless, obviously very drunk, and just kind of like very uh, anti-typical hockey player. You know, with the, the, the hockey, hockey is usually where you have the most boring 
press conferences and interviews, all the most kind of and it, but the only ones that ever seem to be exciting, honestly, it often tends to be the Russians. I find. <laughs> I mean, uh, Ovechkin's guy had some fun interviews in the past and all that. And anyways, Kucherov's comments basically, mainly the, what bothered Habs fans is that he basically insulted them for how they celebrated Game Four. Yeah, you know, I mean, like. What an idiot. Like, I thought Russians were supposed to be good at drinking. He had like two or three Bud Lights and the guy's wasted and says a bunch of stupid shit like that. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, you know, he played his junior hockey. I think he played two years in in the queue uh, in Royun Naranda in Quebec. And he probably had uh, more loud fans in those two cities than he did than he does in Tampa. So I'm not, uh, you know. It is what it is, and that probably says, like, like, like I tweeted out, that probably says more about his own fan base than it does about the Montreal fan no, base. Absolutely, that, that's the thing. Like, it didn't make me that angry. To me, it was almost like a compliment that uh, he was paying. And here's the thing, too: Kucherov has a history of being a bit of a jerk, if uh, if, if to put it uh, politely, uh, really. And the, here's the thing: we're seeing Kucherov being happy constantly because he's on the team that's doing the best right now. But in the past, when he's been on teams that, like when they got swept by Columbus and all that, he's an extremely sore loser. And we've seen, we've seen his character show in the past and, and it's, it's, it's not exactly the best. It's like, I like I don't have fans that are getting so upset about it and bent out of ship on, on, on Twitter. It's like, just like, it doesn't matter. Just, just let it slide. And, and part of me, honestly, I don't hate the idea of the NHL having some kind of interesting drama. Where like like I don't like what he said, but I like that there's a player that says something I don't like. If 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 that makes any sense, instead of always having the same cookie cutter answers, it's like in a wrestling. You know, you gotta have the villain. Well, Kucherov can be our villain now. Like just after the the the, the cup was lost, it's almost like it was it was almost like sure we just lost a cup against them and, and it was pretty chippy series, but it doesn't feel like we need to hate this team that much. It's never been that much of a rivalry against Tampa Bay. Then as soon as he did that, it's like, oh, I can't wait to play them next year and and, and just hear the boos rain down in Kucherov and and they're going to be a team I'm going to want to beat more than I, the, just as much as I want to beat Toronto every time we face them or I want to beat Tampa, uh, Boston every time we face them. I'm going to f- feel the same way facing uh, Tampa Bay. So I mean, I, I don't mind having players saying things like that. I didn't like what he said, but like I said, I liked that someone said it, something that I didn't like. Yeah, no, you're you're right. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to have some players show a little bit of, you know, a little bit of character, a little bit of, um, you know, like you said, I mean, not just giving the the old generic answers yeah. all the time, you know, giving giving you know a, a little bit of something. Um, yeah, I mean, I was definitely wasn't crazy about what they said uh, or what he said, uh, especially when it first happened when the Canadians just lost. I was pretty pissed off about it. Yeah, but sure. uh, you know, I mean, uh, the Canadians lost uh, almost a week ago now, so I mean, you know, but and you still see fans bent out of shape about. It. I mean, let, it's time to move on. Let's let's yeah. worry about the off season now, and and who cares about the Lightning? Let's worry about winning the Cup next year. And I just think about how I would react in in, in those shoes. Like I said earlier in the podcast, if Bergevin did, if the Canadians were eighteen million over the cap because of some caps kind of magic that like, uh, Brisbois did in Tampa Bay, I'd be praising Bergevin, saying he deserves GM of the year. And if, if, if Kucherov was on the halves and he said some nonsense like that and I was in the middle of celebrating the cup and I was drunk and celebrating, I'd be laughing my ass off and yeah. I, I, I'd be buying all those shirts that say $18 million over the, over the cap and all that. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. They won. They get to have their moment. And, you know, maybe if they could stop trying to destroy the Stanley Cup, that'd be nice. But, you know, aside <laughs> from that, it's, 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 it's whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's time to, uh, to move on. Uh, so, so then 
Talking about moving on, the next big thing is obviously going to the offseason. Usually, the Canadian season ends and there's two months before stuff starts happening. But now the Canadians made it too, so far. But what, what are we, like a week away from the expansion? Not even. Like, we're, we're going to know the the who they're protecting, I think, this this weekend, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it is over the weekend. Uh, the expansion draft is next Wednesday, so the 21st. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, only eight days away and then know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, the, the, the expansion draft is in eight days. The, uh, the NHL draft is two days after that. So on the 23rd and then free agency, I think starts the Wednesday after on the yeah. 28th. So the next two weeks are going to be yeah. pretty jam. There, there, there's going to be a lot of hockey to talk about for the next couple of weeks, uh, before we go into that bit of a dead period, uh, after, uh, after a few weeks of free agency. And I think our, our, our one Twitter question was about this. If you want to pull it up. Yeah, so we got a one Twitter question. Uh, so from Kevin Rogers at ka rogers seventy seven. Who would you guys protect for the expansion draft? And if Drouin isn't going to play in Montreal again, wish him well. No judgment here. Is it better to trade him for something of value or to expose him to Seattle and hope they take him instead of Jake Allen? Well, first of all, um, I would like to thank Kevin Rogers for keeping the Twitter question segment alive. Because I, uh, I feel like it's like the fourth episode in a row that he's our only question. So. Thank you for being so consistent uh, with uh, <laughs> with your questions. But do you have any thoughts on it uh, right off the bat? Uh, I mean, the, the whole Drouin thing is is so it's difficult. I mean, who knows? I mean, and I, I, we had talked about this I think over the weekend with uh, with one of our friends about you know I I I was thinking of the idea of ju- of just not protecting Drouin, and you didn't agree with that. Uh, that that to me is absolutely crazy. Like he's but still a 26 year old, like 5.5 is not a crazy contract for 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 Dwayne, and he he still can produce in the NHL. Like I like just to lose him for nothing. I mean, to me, the Kraken would like be ecstatic at getting. Like we don't know what the full story is, but like assuming that he is going to play against in again in the NHL, you can't you can't just lose him for nothing. I mean at that. Yeah. I can't I can't do that. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But I, I mean, I think we we both agree that we've probably seen Dwayne play his last game with the Canadians. I mean, more and more, I'm not sure about that. I mean, because it, like we're hearing, even though we're not getting a lot of details about Dwayne, they did keep saying that you know, they've heard from him, uh, that he messaged the guys after some of the wins. That like he's keeping in touch with the team. They 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 are very aware of what's going on, obviously, and and they they know how it's going for him. So, depending on what it is, like, he might have kind of another shot to come back in in, in Montreal. I mean, I just I just I hope that the reception from the fans just won't be disgusting. Because I, I, it's one of those things where plenty of fans are being like like kind of kind of like Kevin Rogers' comment here. No judgment, you know, uh, like whatever is happening. I'm sure it's something serious. Some fans, you go on Twitter and all that, and they're just like, he gave up on the team, screw him, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, like we don't know exactly what's going on here. Like, so I'm a little concerned about the re- kind of reception he would get in uh, in Montreal, but I think that would be f- forgotten very quickly if he he came back looking good and, and started producing. And, yeah, like, if we lose Drouin, Tatar's not coming back. Like, I don't know why I always say Tatar's name in, with a Quebecois accent accidentally. <laughs> uh, Tatar's not coming back on, on the left side. Like, he barely played in, uh, in in the playoffs. And he made some comments, like, just thanking Montreal. Like, it's very clear that he has no interest in coming back, which, fair enough. Don't, don't blame him at all. If Drouin leaves on top of that, too, then, like, the, the left side of all of a sudden, like, even though they weren't playing in the playoffs, like, there's still 
there's still a bit of a hole there. Like the Canadians still went on a bit of a run in the playoffs. Let's be honest with ourselves. And they still need to be good in the regular season and make the playoffs, you know, which, which wasn't exactly something that was easy for them in, in, in the last regular season. So if they lose the win for nothing, they just have to replace him with something else, you know? So, yeah, no, for sure. Well, I, I mean, I don't, I, I think the fans that are calling out the way, um, you know, saying that, uh, that he gave up on the team and that I think they're, that's an extremely small portion, small portion of the fan yeah. base. So I, I, I don't, I have zero concern whatsoever, but the fans, like, you know, I think if, if he does come back with the Canadians, he's going to get a, you know, maybe a standing ovation and all that. I think he's going to be quickly accepted back in. But, uh, I mean, I think the biggest issue for me is being, you know, he's a Quebec-born player. The media, the questions that they're going to be asking, I feel like it's going to yeah. be not relenting. Yeah, you it know, might be better for him to move on. I definitely agree I agree with uh, that aspect of it. So if, if assuming that he is playing his last, that he's played his last game, if you're trying to trade the wing, his, his value is going to be next to zero. Because you're obviously not trading from, you know, from a from a good point. I mean, you're you're obviously going to be selling very very low on the wing at this point. So you're not gonna you're not gonna get that much of a return for from for him. But I wouldn't say next to zero. I still think you'd get something for the wing. He's still just 26. He's shown flashes, and we've seen players fetch a certain return in situations like this where teams think okay we, we can give him a shot here and like nothing huge but at least you know like a, a bit of a, a pick or maybe like a, a, another player in a similar situation actually i was kind of surprised because there was the rumors with uh uh tarasenko wanting out of st louis and a lot of a lot of fans were like putting out the Hawaii plus some other assets in, in, in the trade rumors. And like, obviously these, uh, these aren't rumors. Uh, I shouldn't say that. It's just like these random offers on Twitter and on, on, on like message boards and all that. And St. Louis fans weren't against that idea, which shocked me. Right. But really? like on, on their end, Tarasenko, he's, he's done. Like he doesn't want to go back to St. Louis. Uh, he's, he's upset about how they handled his, uh, his injuries. Like he doesn't trust the, the medical staff anymore and all that. Like it, it doesn't mean that it will happen. I'm just saying, Teams across the NHL have situations similar to our Duane situation. Like every team has a guy who's disgruntled, uh, not that Duane is, but like that, that wants to leave or like for, there's plenty of situations like that. So the best case scenario is you find another team with a similar situation and it's like, hey, maybe both our guys just need to change the scenery and then see what happens. And we've seen that happen before. So like I don't think he has zero value. I think if, if Bergevin's smart, he get value, value out of him. And here's my thing, too. We're not talking to DeRoyne directly. We don't know what DeRoyne wants. If I can't find – if I can't get any assets for DeRoyne, if that's if you're right and his value is zero and I can't get anything for him, but DeRoyne is telling me I want to come back, I'm doing better from like whatever the situation is, and I still want to play Montreal, I want one more chance to prove myself there, I'm giving him another shot. Yeah. If if is telling me I can't do it in Montreal anymore, the pressure's too much, and you know I'm just being honest, I think it's not good for my mental health or whatever it is that that's going on there. I'd rather be moved. Then I'm moving him. You know, like, but you know, you see what I'm saying? So it depends on that. If he doesn't want to come back, then hey, like, okay, it's fine. Like, we'll we'll get what we can get, and then maybe it's a situation where you want to expose him. But if not, you know. We don't know. It's so hard to talk about. We yeah, just don't no, know. Exactly. It, yeah, it's hard to talk about. Like you said, I mean, we don't know exactly what's going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, so I, I guess to get back to Kevin's question here, like, who are we going to be protecting? I mean, you know, there's a lot of talk today about because you do have the two options, right? You have you can go seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie, or eight pl- skaters and one goalie. Um, you know, about what they would do. Um, the answer is super obvious for me. I mean, I have the cap friendly should, in front of me right now. 
Uh, so it, it, it's like for me, like I said, I, I'm, I'm not exposing to like, first of all, I'm assuming that they're not going to, even though I think Daniel is coming back, I'm assuming they're just going to wait until the end. They're going to risk because they can still pick him and have a few days to talk to him before free agency ends and all that. But I think they just wait to sign him, maybe have like a handshake deal and hope he doesn't go elsewhere. I take that risk, I think, and not protect him. Yeah. And well, then, I mean, I think that's why, you know, you, you do have uh, other guys like Landis Gog. That's, yeah. that's not signed yet, you know. The, and, the, and the rumor just before we came on today, though, for Landis Cog was that they're very far apart. It looks like Landis Cog's gonna hit the free agency. Mm. But, that's uh, interesting. But yeah, so like the the, the players I, I protect here is like we just talked about: Dehoy, uh Josh Anderson, no brainer. Tyler Toffoli, no no brainer. Brendan Gallagher, no brainer, and has a no movement clause. Uh, then you have Lekkonen, you have Kotkaniemi. And you have Jake Evans. Kachinami is obvious no-brainer. Lekkonen and Jake Evans. Some people might arg- argue it, but they're RFAs. They're still they're still 25 and 26 years old. Still pretty young. Can get him on, on on pretty cheap deals. I mean, there's there's no reason to, to to lose these guys right now. They both showed they could be valuable. And then on defense, after this run, there's zero chance that they're exposing Shea Weber. We've talked about whether or not it would be smart to do it because we don't think that the the the, the Kraken would want to pick him up anyway. But just the optics and what it would do to the room and all that, I think you just can't do it. And then you have Jeff Petrie, you no know, movement clause, obvious. And then it's between Ben Schrott and Joel Edmondson. Edmondson's two years younger, has a couple more years on his contract versus Ben Schrott. He only has one year left, so you just expose him. So Edmondson's the last guy with Carey Price. Yeah. That, no, like, okay. That's it. There's no other answer to me. No, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, to me, that there's really no other, no other option. I mean, I think that's that's the best thing for the Canadians. You know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I think the the two options for uh, Seattle are going to be Jake Allen and Sherrod. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's going to be tough which you know which player they're going to take. I mean, apparently, you know, the the rumors today were that the Canadians are nervous about losing yeah. Jake Allen for nothing and are trying to to you know to looking at options to potentially trade him. Um, I don't think that's going to happen because I mean, you know, the other team. I don't think he's better than most other teams' number one goalie. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, the the team that would get Jake Allen wouldn't be able to protect two. You know, they're only able to protect one goalie. Yeah. Um, but is Jake Allen better than the other options out there? I mean, I don't have the list of who. You know, obviously, we don't even know yet who are who are available options. But I mean, there are going to be some pretty good options out there. I mean, just take a look at you know guys uh, in Vancouver. I mean. Is probably going to be Braden Holpe that's available. Uh, the guy with the Coyotes, Aiden Hill, he's available. A lot of people think he's going to get selected. He's he's a pretty young goaltender. Same thing with Ottawa. If they you know, they could maybe Matt Murray's an option. Uh, they have the other young goaltender, Philip Gustafson, who's who uh, was great in Belleville this year. He could be an option. I know there's a couple of other options as well. So I mean, is Jake Allen really better than all of those options? I'm not sure. And Ben Sherratt, I mean, you know we're. we're I, I think anyone that listens to our podcast knows that we're not his two biggest fans, but at the end of the day, he he had a pretty solid playoffs, and he's a big reason Absolutely. why the Canadians made it that far. So, and I'm, and I'm sure that hasn't gone on notice. So he, first of all, I mean, three point three point five million, you know, that's a pretty good deal for Ben Sherrod. So I think he's probably going to be the end end up being the guy that uh, that Seattle ends up now, picking. If you could choose, if you decided who Seattle takes, would you rather to take Ben Sherrod or Jake Allen? Um, I'd rather take Ben Sherratt. I mean, the Canadian, the Canadians have, or Ben Sherratt has one year left on his contract yeah. with the way that he played in the playoffs. I'm expecting that he's going to be expecting a lot more than three and a half million. Yeah. 
Jake and Allen, I, I don't want to pay him more than three and a half million. No, exactly. No way. And uh, Jake Allen's a very solid backup, and especially at that it, with the money that he's making these next two years, two point yeah. eight seven five million. Absolutely. And and we have seen. First of all, we don't make the playoffs without Jake Allen this year. Like full stop. And we we have seen how important that can be and how hard it can actually be to get a good backup so yeah i i absolutely uh, agree with you the one thing with ben Sherrod, like the, the, there's two train of thoughts with, with, with ben Sherrod that makes me wonder if we're wrong about this now does this this does mark bergevin and the habs organization in general do they want to keep this top four so bad that they go with the four protected defensemen i think that would be a mistake because it means you're you're, you're exposing guys like like and, and jake evans and i'd rather hold on to those guys and also on the flip side, do the Kraken want to go get a Ben Sherratt who only has one year left on his contract? I mean, I, I still think for the Kraken it's a good move. I mean, that's that's what we saw Vegas do. Vegas drafted a ton of defensemen. I mean, from the Canadians, they took Emlyn. And then they ended up flipping a lot of them for, 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 for picks and all that. And I think that's the move. Because I, th- I think the move for the Kraken is you pick Sherratt and then assuming they don't have like a crazy like run like the, uh, like the Golden Knights do – uh, did in their first season. You end up flipping him at the deadline, and you could get a lot of assets as a rental for for Ben Chirot if you're if you're uh, the Kraken. I, I think that's what's going to happen, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I could see things changing a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I hope he's not going to you know protect the top four defensemen because again, that's that's going to mean probably. I would say that he's probably going to lose Lekkinen in that case. Yeah. Um, which I think I think Lekkinen, you know, is, is many, you know, I, I think a lot of fans hate on Lekkinen a lot, but I mean, he's a solid addition and he's he forever a Habs legend. For a, forever yeah, Habs legend. He scored the game-winning goal to bring us to the finals on Saint Jean. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I want to. I'm gonna get the Lekkinen jersey like forever. Yeah. It would be so sad to lose him, like a mere weeks after he did that. But anyway, maybe just another option. Like I'm just looking at the cap, uh, cap friendly right now, and and you know I I hate I love Paul Byron, I love him, and especially after the quote that he gave the yeah. uh, you know the other day. But what if you know you you expose you t- made a deal with Seattle to take a guy like Paul Byron? Like you give up like you know maybe a second round pick. But Bergevin has specifically said, I mean things can change. But he specifically said he doesn't want to make a deal like that. He doesn't want to make one of those deals where you're giving up assets to make sure they take a specific players because then you just end up losing more assets. And with what happened, with so many teams doing this with with uh, with Vegas and just doing horribly, right? Like it, lo- it looking really, really bad in hindsight. I really don't think a lot of the teams are going to be doing that. But here's the thing. Like, like if, if, if you're telling me who I, is the best thing for the Canadians to lose – and I hate to say it because I do love him. Like I love what he said and all that. And he wants to say Montreal, but with this cap it and all that, if 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 they were to take Paul Byron, it's great. It's great for the Montreal Canadiens. But I don't want to give up assets for that. I just don't think it's 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 worth it. I really don't. No, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think the end of the day. I mean, Jake Allen's definitely a possibility, but I think Sherrod's going to be the guy that they end up picking. Um, you know, as you touched on it, like Vegas. That's that's sort of what they did. And I mean, obviously, look how successful Vegas has been. At the end of the day, I mean, I think they they've established the blueprint, and Seattle's probably going to want to sort of, you know, try to try to do sort of the same thing that that, that Vegas did. Obviously, teams are going to be a lot better prepared this time around. Like I said, they're not going to want to give up assets to uh, yeah. to to ask them to pick up a player. Um, so you're probably going to get end up losing Ben Chirot. You know, it sucks to lose Ben Chirot, but 
you know, sort of the next thing that we could definitely talk about is there's a, there's a lot of options out there to replace Ben Sherratt. Exactly. So, like, just for fun, let's pretend, like, Ben Sherratt is the one that's gone. Now, there's there was some interesting news today about who could be the replacement. And I was iffy on this at first because of his age, but then looking more deeply into it, looking at his advanced stats and just even just the, the point production he's had over the last few years, Ryan Suter on a sh- short deal, like two years max, giving time to guys like Norlander and, and Kanan Gooley and to, to come in and, and take that spot, could be a very, very interesting option for the Canadian Canadians. Absolutely, 100%. I mean, you know, like you said, I mean, he didn't have a great season last season. I mean, you know, again, just strictly based on his points because I, you know, I definitely didn't follow him too much last yeah, at all sure. last season, really. But I mean, yeah, you know, he's he had a lot of good seasons, and I mean, I don't think it was because of his production that uh, that no, Parise well, maybe a little bit more, but I mean, that's not why Minnesota bought them out. They wanted to protect the other defensemen they have on the team, like Brodeen and Dumba and. Uh, Spurgeon. Spurgeon. So, I mean, that's really why they made this move. It's Um, crazy, though, eh? Like, I know this isn't a Minnesota Wild Cup podcast, but, like, they're saving a few million for, for, like, a year or two, but then, like, they're going to have back-to-back years with $15 million tied up in nothing. Yeah, it's it's a bad move, man. Like, I I, I don't know. Uh, I mean... You know, again, I don't know their whole situation and yeah. stuff like that, but man, that's that's a bad move. But I mean, the Canadians, man, I I I'm definitely gonna take take Sutter, no doubt. And I mean, he has the history with Weber, obviously. Uh, I mean, they're 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 much both both they're both much older than uh than than they used to when they played together. But I mean, that that history goes a long way. He might want to. This is what we we're talking about before, right? With the, the the kind of cup run that the Canadians just went on. Ryan Suter is someone that will 100% want to sign somewhere where he believes he can win. Exactly. Now it's whether or not that he thinks he can win in Montreal after the run they just went on or whether he thinks we just went on a Cinderella run and we're not going to repeat it is what will determine where he'll sign. Because he's going to sign somewhere. Uh, I think he's that type of guy. I think that t- 10 years ago when him and Parise sa- signed in uh, in Minnesota together, it's it's what they thought they were doing. They wanted to kind of bring the cup to, to, to Minnesota, which is one of the state's biggest hockey markets. Obviously, that didn't pan out. But he's, he's kind of showed that this, those are the types of decisions he plays. So it just depends on what he thinks of this team. And maybe Shea Weber picks up the phone and, like, you know, we don't know the kind of relationship they still have, which actually was very interesting about that is today another uh, former Shea Weber teammate was in the news. Pecorini announced his retirement. And as is tradition at this point, if you're like a semi – had a semi-big career in the NHL, there was a Players' Tribune article. And, and there was there was, a, there was a blurb that was like a, a couple paragraphs where he sp- spoke specifically about Shea Weber and what he meant to that team in uh, in Nashville when they had – uh, a, a lot of those runs and all that, and how much of a great leader he was. So you really can't understate how Shea Weber could play a huge part in them acquiring Ryan Suter. Oh, hundred percent. And I mean, I mean, you know, we, they just made it to the Stanley cup final. So obviously it's a team that, you know, could go all the way, you know, especially with a couple of, a uh, couple of extra pieces he knows, I mean, with the Canadians, he's, I mean, I don't think you can argue that he's going to be the top defenseman along with Shea Weber. Well, you know, I mean, with Petrie as well, but I mean, I don't think Edmondson is going to be your top two defenseman. So he's probably going to slot into that spot or at least at very least, he's going to get very, very solid minutes 
on a team that could potentially be a contender, playing with Shea Weber, a guy that oh, he's absolutely. that I'm sure he's extremely comfortable with. So I mean, this makes a lot of sense for sure, and and I definitely, especially if the Canadians lose Ben Chirot, this is this would be a perfect signing for the Canadians. You know, Th- that's one the big thing. If, if they lose Ben Chirot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if, if they, they don't, don't lose Ben Chirot, I don't know if it makes sense, honestly. Uh, just to add another veteran because then that just means Romanov's not playing. I don't love that. Uh, if if they lose Ben Chirot, then you can sign Zuda and Romanov still getting playing time, you know. So that that that's that's the big uh, big if for me. If if they don't lose Ben Chirot, I still think that this team could improve the defense. But then I'd be looking more at a long term, kind of like a younger guy, uh, like the other guys that are in the rumors, uh, like Adam. Uh, is it Adam? Not Adam Dunn. Vince Dunn. Uh, Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn and. Uh, I mean, Letty's only got one year on his contract, so that it's not really relevant to what I'm talking about here. But like, it's it's not the type of move. Suter maybe doesn't make sense in that situation as much. But if Sharon is gone, it absolutely makes sense. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I'm not. Yeah, I think Suter. You know, you're obviously not going to be giving up in any assets. He's a guy that you know you could probably get on not a bad deal either, especially seeing as he just got bought in and he's still getting exactly. a bunch, a bunch exactly. of money. Uh, Vince Dunn, I mean, it's hard to say what what we would have to give up to get exactly. him from St. Louis. Yeah. Um, he's an RFA, so, I mean, who knows what kind of contract he's going to get. Nick Letty, I mean, like you said, I mean, that would be an amazing addition for the Canadians, but he's got one year left. Yeah. So that's, and not, that's not a small cap hit, too. It would affect the team's ability. Like, you you got to think you can sign Suter for a smaller cap hit than $5.5 million. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think, uh, anyway, obviously we have to see what happens with the expansion draft first. Um, yeah, for you sure. know, we'll, we'll see who we end up losing. Um, but if, if we do end up losing Sherrod, then that's definitely going to be our, our, you know, our number one priority. And Ryan Suter is perfect for that. If not, if we end up losing Jake Allen, then, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, oh yeah. Then, then the focus is back on, on, on the, on getting a backup goaltender. Yeah. And the, if we, if we lose Jake Allen, it's going to, it's going to make me real nervous about next year. Because yeah. like he was crucial, and if we, and I think a big part where the Canadians went on a run, obviously, is Carey Price and him not playing in the last month of the, of the season. Like he didn't play because he was injured, obviously, but like it means he meant he came in kind of rested, and like that's that's all thanks to Jake Allen. Like it's Jake Allen's a very important piece to 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 this team, and, and I, I think the backup goaltender can all be oftentimes be underrated on a team. If you've been following the Habs for the last five years and you still underrate the backup goaltender position, you have not been paying attention. No, exactly. And, and we saw last year, I mean, I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but a lot of the backup goalies got significantly more than uh-huh. Jake Allen's contract. So yeah. it's, it's, and you know, there's always a lot of competition to get backup goalies too. So it's, it, it's going to be tough for sure. So no, they definitely don't want to lose jake allen for nothing hopefully we don't lose jake allen for nothing and and you know and, i mean i i don't like to see ben Sherrod go but uh, that's it, d- at least in in a, both of our opinions i think that's the best option for that yeah absolutely and uh, i'm not too sure uh who exactly would be like i can take a look here who the goaltenders would be if they were to lose uh to lose jake allen but it's just like i can't think of much better like he's the perfect backup goaltender you know he he is exactly that kick. So so I'm pulling it up now. Like you have guys that's gonna hit free agency. You have guys like, I mean, Tuukka Rask isn't coming here. Like if Frederick Anderson it, 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 from from Toronto, but like I mean, if he's not good enough for Toronto, he's not good enough for us. Then there's other guys. There's guys out there. You know, there's Antti Ranta if he if he's looking for a backup role. Uh, I mean. Grubauer's a starter. Morazic is more of a like. It's just it's it's a hard to say, but like there's there's some names like I'm looking. There are some names out there that can still play, 
But it's just what about Halak? Halak, that'd be that'd be hilarious. Yeah, well, I don't know, man. There's there's not really though like there aren't too many options that are really that appealing. I would say, and let's not forget, I mean, some of these some of the bigger names. They're not going to want to play behind Price. No, exactly, exactly. And and the thing is too is that like we've had plenty of years where we thought we signed a good backup, and then he yeah. was atrocious. And so 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 just having the peace of mind of knowing what we have in Jake Allen and at at, at a at a perfect cap hit for what he brings and all that like it's 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 a really valuable asset that would really really suck to lose. Yeah, so it's uh it's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I I, I think at the end of the day they're going to take Sherratt. And again, that's that's the best thing for the Canadians. But you know, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll see in eight days what exa- what this Hab situation moving forward is. Exactly, it's hard to be like more to really talk in depth about it because because uh, then we don't know what's yeah. going on. It's like we, we talked about Duane. Let's say Duane. We maybe they don't expose him, and maybe they they don't want him back for 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 whatever reason and let's say they just move him for picks right because you know they can't really get a roster player back and that then that leaves, leaves a hole right because even though he wasn't playing and Tatar wasn't playing but then i think there's a good chance we lose armia honestly with 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 the way like you compare how he answered the questions versus Corey perry i, I don't think armia disliked his time in, in in montreal but i think if i'm armia i probably want to go somewhere where i'm going to be kind of maybe have a a, a bigger Role like I'd hate to lose Armia, but I wouldn't be surprised if if they do. So 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 then like there, there's there are other names out there, you know, like Landis Cog, like I was just saying, uh, might 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 be available. Uh, There's guys like I mean, hey, if we can sign Alex Ovechkin, I know he's 35 years old. He's always liked Montreal, and I know he's 99% probably going back to Washington. But man, that would be so much fun. Yeah, that would that would be, that would be a pretty interesting one for sure. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. That that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I think it's fair to say Armia is done. I mean, it yeah. it even seemed like you know in his uh, in his postseason um, you know uh, discussion or whatever it it looked you know, he he definitely seems on the on the way out. I don't think he he wants to stay as a fourth line uh, winger yeah. either. You know, I think he's going to go to a team where he can get a bigger role for sure. I don't think the Canadians are going to be able to pay him either. With the, exactly, with the exactly, playing. especially with like the performance he had in uh in, in the playoffs, and it's just the reality of the Canadians have a lot of right-handed shots on, on forward, right? So it's just it's he it's like one of those things where he wasn't on the fourth line because of his play, you know, and it was a fourth line that did play a lot, but it's just he just it, there wasn't any more any more room for him, and I I, I don't blame him if if he do, does want to end up uh, going going elsewhere. And I'm not willing like I could I wouldn't be surprised like his body type and everything he brings. I could see a lot of pro scouts like selling Armia to their GM and him getting overpaid a little bit. I would not be surprised at all if he gets close to five million. Honestly, like I don't think he should, but I would not be surprised if a team gives him that. Oh, hundred percent. No, I think he he's definitely going to get a good raise and like i said i think it's a it's that sort of contract that the team that's giving it to him is probably going to regret it in, in uh, two or three years yeah. i mean it always depends on the team but anyways we'll see uh, it, it'll be much clearer and i'm sure bergeron is going through obviously all these scenarios in his head and he can't wait to know who Seattle's going to take because it really it really impacts uh, so much of, of the decisions moving forward. It's it's going to be it, that that's what's kind of scary after this run because this team might look very different next year. But the core is still the the kids, the core, the young guys, 
they're there. I mean, the captain's still going to be there. The goaltender's still going to be there. So the, a, a, lot, a lot of it's still going to be there, but a lot of the depth, which is what was Montreal's uh, strength, won't be there anymore. And the other guy, too, today, it's Gustafson. I mean, he did play a bit of a role in, in the playoffs, obviously. He, he had a tweet today with thanking Montreal. Like, some very obvious, kind of like Tatar did the same thing, where it's, like, very obvious that he doesn't expect to come back. He's just thanking the city. So, I mean, I mean, it was fun while you were here. You made a lot of mistakes. It was kind of terrifying watching you play, but, you know. <laughs> Uh, no, no hatred towards uh, uh, Gustafson. And then uh, the last thing we got to touch on uh, before we we uh, we finish here, unless I miss anything. But unfortunately, we talked about this being a possibility. But the way it happened is a little bit surprising. Joel Bouchard signing with the Ducks farm team. So a lateral move, essentially. And Bergevin, has, he said specifically, he offered Bouchard... You can be assistant coach in Montreal, or you could be head coach in Laval. You choose. Here's a contract. And Bouchard said, no, I'm going to Anaheim. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're not going to know exactly what happened. Um, but from, I think, you know, from what we can sort of piece together was that, you know, he was offered that he could be the assistant coach in Montreal or return to being the head coach uh, in Laval. But apparently he was offered being assistant coach after he would he had already gone into discussion with the ducks um mm-hmm. so so there was sort of uh maybe a thought that he didn't feel appreciated by the canadians and that's sort of that sort of you know there's a lot of tweets by some of the insiders uh, you know here in montreal on the media that, that that sort of were hinting at that he didn't feel appreciated by the canadians organization he didn't feel appreciated after you know having an amazing year with laval he didn't feel like he was getting um you know, the props basically from the organization. Um, and apparently he wasn't on the same wavelength as, as far as development goes. with yeah. the Canadians. Um, So and it of- sounds like too, they didn't love what happened with the Riley Barber and Phil Verone situation. Like I was surprised to, for that to come up again, but I mean, for those who aren't familiar with those guys, they were like the kind of the ver- veteran AHL guys that kind of seemingly weren't happy at all with his coaching style. So there, there seems things that like we didn't seem to think was were a big deal. It seems like the organization didn't love his way of 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 running everything. It's just after the the horror that was the the Savannah five years, and we've seen him do a great job with with uh with with our young guys. It, it's a little worrisome. It's a, it is an important position in in an organization, the coach of the farm team. So it, it depends who they bring in, but it, by the sounds of it, and like there's been some cryptic tweets by some insider that it doesn't sound like the, it was, you know, uh, that much love between uh, the Habs organization and uh, and Bouchard. And it sounds like there was never a situation where he was going to be the head coach in uh, in Montreal. And as far as the head coach in Montreal, I mean, say what you will about Duchamp, like I still see some people criticizing him. He brought this team to the Cup final. There is there is no world where he's not getting a contract. Like like come on. Yeah. He's earned it no, for sure. It was yeah, it was it was obviously going to be a slam dunk. I mean, you know, if if he would have lost in the first round against Toronto, yeah, completely he, different. You know, it's gonna, it was definitely a different uh, different press conference. He's probably not coming back, but it is what it is. I mean, they ended up doing this yeah. magical run, and, and yeah, and, 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 and like we haven't touched on that too much today. But today we also got the news that he signed a three year contract. It's done. He's the coach next year. And let's not forget how horrible of a situation he was put in this year. Because yeah. he, like, he, he he came in he and he had the absolute – one of the historically worst schedule in NHL history after the Canadians had the, the, the first week off for no reason and the week off for the COVID scare. And then no time to, to establish his system. And it really felt like at some point in the playoffs – 
the system clicked for the players. And it makes sense that it took some time for it to click because they really had basically no practice time with it and all that. And I'm excited to see what he can do with a full training camp, a, a normal schedule, and just kind of really get his, his chance to really establish it. Because I do think he he played it a little safe at first, which is why we kind of saw him a little bit at times as like a as like a Claude Julien, like kind of like, like 2.0. Just because he was come, he didn't want to change things too drastically given the situation. I can't wait to see what he does with a full training camp with his team. And at the end of the day, Joel Bouchard, like it, it is, it is what it is. I mean, he had a good season this year, but it's not like every season's been great. Like we were a little bit disappointed the first two years that the team wasn't performing as well as we hoped they would. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you said, I mean, it is, it is what it is, and it, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, there, there were people. You know, in the media as well, that thought that his personality might not necessarily transition to to being a an NHL coach, especially in Montreal, uh, which, again, I mean, you don't like to see stuff like like what happened with with Riley Barbie and Phil Verone and even mm-hmm. Dale Weiss. Dale, uh, Dale Weiss uh, has said that, you know, he really didn't like uh, him either. So, yeah. you know, it, I mean, you know, so, sometimes, any, you know, former NHLers is going down to the AHL. It, it, it can sometimes be like that, I guess. But. I mean, you know, we'll see who the Canadians hire moving forward. I mean, there's, you know, we don't know yet who who they're going to hire. I mean, it looks like there's there's a couple of guys right now that are sort of the favorites. And Louis Robitaille, who's been a coach in the queue um, for, I mean, for for the longest time, he's had success. He's a coach in Valdor right now. Uh, there's Eric Veyer as well, who's he's he's had many great years in the queue. He was the head coach of. Uh, of uh, the San Antonio Rampage a few years ago. He's the assistant coach with uh, with the Syracuse Crunch right now. So he could uh, definitely be a solid option. But, I mean, there's there's solid options out there. I mean, Alex Burroughs was even mentioned as a possibility. Yeah. Though I think but he's probably Duchamp today be- said he wants to bring back Burroughs and Richardson as assistants and have another assistant. So, And I think that, 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 that I don't think that's bad for the team. I think uh, I, 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 I'd like to have those three come back behind the bench for sure. Oh yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I don't think Alex Burroughs is ready for that role. You know, he's never been a head coach. It's 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 a lot being a head coach in the AHL because a lot of the time you're not just the coach; you're also sort of the GM trying to trying to find players um, when you're dealing with injuries and stuff like that. So no, I, th- I think uh, you know we'll we'll see who they end up hiring. It obviously is a pretty big loss, Joel Bouchard, with what what he's done with some of the young prospects and obviously the Laval Rocket last year. But um, you know, life <laughs> life goes on. And there was a tweet just before about Louis Rabitaille. Let me see here. It was, uh, but I don't understand what this. So wh- where does Louis Rabitaille coach right now? Uh, he coached in, I, I believe it's in Valdor. This, I know he was coaching in Valdor before. I think he was still in Valdor this season. Okay, because uh, cause like the Gatineau Olympic tweeted that their whole organization is coming back. And Andrew... Uh, Zdanowski, which is a pretty good insider on on yeah, Twitter, yeah. uh, kind of retweeted it and said possibly confirmation that Louis Rabitaille is not going to be the next head coach of the Laval Rocket. I mean, I don't know if I'm missing something here. I'm not even seeing Louis Rabitaille's name in this thing about the Gatineau Olympic. Like, it doesn't uh, seem. To, yeah. I don't understand no, what the connection is between the two, but maybe I'm missing something. Uh, yeah, actually, no, I think he is actually, yeah, I think it was Gatineau. He, he was the coach of Gatineau this year. I think prior to that, he was with Valdor. But he's not on okay. the, so the, in, in, on the press release that the Olympic, uh, sent out, they, they, because the, what they said was that they're, uh, 
their hockey operations staff is coming back. So and they and they they put a staff list in alphabetical order, and uh, Louis Reptile's name's not there. So that that's from the press release that they released. So who knows who knows what that means? But hey, I mean, because like I said, it's it's not it's not nothing. And here's the thing too with the reality of the coaching situation in in Montreal. Of course, we're happy with Deschamps for now, but it's important that the farm team is more than just a farm team for the players in this organization. It has to be a farm team for the coaches too. That that, that that is a must. We need to be giving the French coaches the opportunities to, to grow so that when it – I mean, no coach has ever coached forever, right? There's going to be a point where Duchamp's going to get fired and there's going to be a, need to be a replacement there. And he, here's the one thing about the Joël Bouchard thing. If he does end up being a coach in the NHL, if he gets his shot in Anaheim and, – and I do think that probably played into it. He probably feels maybe like he's closer to being able to get there in uh, in Anaheim. And he, he does – well or okay i like, 10 years down the road i would not be shocked if bouchard is back in the montreal canadian's organization you know, you know how it is it, 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 very few head coaches in the history of the in the last few years in the nhl last couple of decades in the nhl have been french canadians and have not at one point been a head coach for the montreal canadians so <laughs> he might end up coming back in, in like 10 years oh yeah i mean you never know you never know i mean obviously the canadians um you know, like it or not, they always need to have a French uh, French head coach in that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, he he could potentially be back in the organization one day. I mean, I don't know if how much bad blood there might potentially be between him and the organization after after the way that it that it ended. But you know, I mean, he'll he'll definitely be in uh, in the running, I'm sure, in the future. And uh, I mean, I th- I think maybe that played into the situation why he left as well is that the Ducks. You know they're probably closer to firing their head coach. Yeah, obviously. yeah, and, and with with the run that Duchamp just went on, like he, he looks like he could be the head coach for a while in Montreal. Like unless it completely falls apart, he, he at least has next year as a like Canadians can finish last like next year, and Duchamp still has a, a, a coaching job. Well, let's not forget. I mean, they just fired Claude Julien, who yeah. still had I think like two or three years left on his deal. So weren't so they, they still paying even? Like they weren't quite done paying. Uh, was it Terrien just oh, before him? Yeah, or they had just have, stopped paying him or something, you know. So, so I mean, the the Canadians aren't going to be fire. I don't think aren't going to be firing. You know, regardless of how bad he performs, Dominic Duchamp, they they're not going to fire him. I don't but think before the, the at least two years. The the more interesting uh, one though is is Bergevin, whose contract is up at the end of this year. Not that I think that the team doesn't want to bring him back, but he when he was asked the question, he kind of was. He he made it very obvious. He see he almost seems over it, <laughs> like the the whole like how stressful it is to be a GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, some people were speculating this complete speculation that maybe he would be given a, a different one of those hockey operations roles, and then he can hire a GM that kind of has to take the 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 kind of maybe maybe some of the work off his hands and all that. But th- that's an interesting thing there because he part of the things he was saying. I think if the Canadians win the cup. Part of me thinks Bergman would have retired and be like, I won, I'm done. I'm going to go. You <laughs> yeah, know. you never know. He kind of I mean, gave me that. And I don't blame him for that. Honestly, hey, I, I, if I had been an NHLer, first of all, there's no chance I'd want to be working in a – I'd be – I'd be – I'd, I'd just buy a cottage and live there all year round. Like, I wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, fair enough. I mean, like, it, it – he – over the last season yeah it does seem like they've gone th- well obviously they have gone through a lot and yeah. it seemed like you know he w- he didn't seem to have that that same sort of 
you know, attitude and, and, and sort of playfulness to him. So, so maybe he is, but at the same time, I, I definitely think he's kind of an emotional guy and he yeah, was probably very drained 100%. after the Canadians just got eliminated. That's so I, I, I would take that with a, uh, with, with a grain of salt, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he did get promoted to, you know, president of hockey operations or whatever. Uh, you know, he wants to take on a bit of a lesser role and, and, you know, be out of the spotlight to, that, that obviously you're in being the GM of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. I mean, I, w- w- with the run here, I mean, I, I, it's shocking to me. Like, you go on some of the message boards, people are still calling for, like, firing the GM. And it's like, like, I get it. It was a Cinderella run, but, like, it was it was on the back of the the, the pieces that he built and all that, you know? So, for me, with the run we just had and all that, yeah, he, he has a free pass for me for, for, for a bit. And, and I am confident in, like, I feel like he's grown a lot as a GM over the years. And, and I am confident in the, in, in the moves he's going to make this year. I, I just, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what uh what happens and I, I think we'll know a lot more next week when we're recording this episode again because once that expansion draft happens we're gonna have a much better picture of what the next moves are for the for the montreal canadians yeah so i mean i think we could probably do the podcast the next podcast on next thursday obviously the day after the expansion draft yeah but i mean uh, you know i mean obviously it's only a week away but i think there's so much that could happen over the oh. next not necessarily just with the canadians no but, just today there was plenty there was tons of news yeah. in the nhl today yeah, like so I, I barely did any work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be an exciting week for sure, and it'll be an exciting podcast next episode. Yeah, exactly. All right, so I think that I mean, does it for. Yeah, go yeah. For I mean, it. we'll be able to talk about the uh, obviously the expansion draft, who the who got picked off the Canadians, and I mean, you know, if we're doing the podcast on Thursday, the next day is the uh, is the NHL draft, so we can maybe talk about that a little bit. I I haven't paid attention to this draft at all. Like <laughs> maybe like the last few years, like last year, even though they end up making the playoffs because of the bubble and all that, it's like two months before the end of the season we were talking about like we're doing segments every week on potential draft picks, but like this year it's just like I haven't been thinking about that even like what. So now they they have the the thirtieth pick right because they finish, or how many teams are there? Yeah. There's thirty two teams or thirty one teams now. Thirty two. Well, there's thirty two, but then Arizona lost their first round. Pick. That's right. That's right. So they'll have the thirtieth pick, I guess. Yeah, thirtieth pick. Uh, yeah, I definitely haven't followed it as much as I have. Uh, you know, well, over the last. Yeah. Uh, who knows how many years, but uh, especially, you know, I wasn't expecting the Canadians to pick 30th overall either. No, exactly, exactly. And uh, wouldn't be shocked if that pick gets moved either. I, th- I think a lot is going to happen uh, in, in, in the next week. So it's uh, this this time of the year is always exciting. It's it, I can't wait for stuff to happen, start happening with Montreal so that the most recent m- news in my head isn't the loss in the Stanley Cup final anymore. And the, the, there's more stuff to talk. I just hope it's 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 news I'm happy about, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of positive news, I think, uh, hopefully, at least, over the next couple of weeks. All right, sounds good. So, as always, follow us on Twitter, at the Habs Forum, and, uh, I mean, you know, we're always commenting on these things that are happening. And now, actually, too, on TikTok, also the Habs Forum on TikTok, we've got, we've got a few TikToks there. You know, we, we were at, uh, at, the, at the viewing party, like I said, for Game 4 at Castle de Spectac, and we were at the, the Bell Center for one of the games, too, not when they were playing at home, but, like, because we're not millionaires but, but when they were on the road and the tickets were only ten dollars which is much more a budget so we've got some cool videos there if you want to check us out there but on twitter is where you want to ask your questions and uh like we said probably thursday the next episode we'll be going over everything that happened with the expansion draft and looking ahead at the at, at the draft and free agency once again uh so as always uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next week